if you do have your Bibles, I am going to be referring to that passage of Scripture that Eric referred to just a few moments ago in Second Peter, and uh, we'll be coming back to that in just a moment. You know, it's funny. Um, as a pastor, you always have a couple of uh, days on the calendar that are always a little strange. You can kind of know a little bit of what's going to happen. Um, one of those days is the beginning of spring break. And uh, you always know that there's going to be people out of town on the beginning of spring break. The another day on the calendar that you have, that you kind of are aware of, and you know you might have a few less folks and less faces, is the day where time change happens. And this year, those two things converge. So, we have a handful of less faces today, but I appreciate you guys being here and being a part. And I know that uh, a lot of our church family is traveling. They're out. They're doing their thing. My wife is also traveling. I'm sure that you can't guess where she is considering, yeah, hmm, let me think about this. The baby is due uh, in, let's see, I think uh, four days. And so because of that, uh, y'all pray for me. I don't know what life is going to be like as a bachelor again, but y'all pray for me. Uh, I'm definitely uh, interested to see what happens. I will say... <clears throat> If you guys remember my daughter, Taryn, I know that some of you know her very well. Some of you, uh, you don't really know her that well because you've come and been a part of the church family since she was gone to school. Uh, she went away for college, went away for a couple of internships at a church up in Michigan, and then ended up getting married. And so she went away and kind of had very little opportunity to come back. For some reason, her husband wants her there uh, playing music and stuff during their uh, church plant stuff that they got going in Oklahoma City. So I don't know that this is really right, but I have this fear that my wife is about to text me and say, Karen's water just broke in the middle of service or something like that, you know. And, and I'm a guy, so I have all these weird you know, things about childbirth and all that stuff. Uh, so anyway, um, but yeah, so that's coming and uh, we're excited about that. It probably will not happen today, but I will tell you one other thing. My grandmother, my mom's mom, wait for it, she had 14 kids. 14. And so my wife said to my daughter, well, let's go walk, you know, tomorrow, because that will kind of kick you into labor. And my mom said, no, 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 no. My mom said it wasn't walking, it was sweeping. So I have a feeling that, and I mean, if you've had 14 kids, you know what you're talking about, right? I mean, who do you know that's probably got a little bit more information about having kids than my grandmother before she passed? So probably today, my, my daughter is doing a bunch of sweeping and ready to have that baby. So we'll see what happens. I'll keep you updated and uh, kind of give you guys the word when it does happen. All right. Well, we're going to be talking from 1 Peter chapter 1 today. And yes, we are going to be going back and kind of tackling a little bit of the rising teaching series that we've been going through. Now, we took a little hiatus during February talking about communication and how you can reach those that you love the most. But I did want to come back and not just end this time uh, around rising, but also share a couple of things with you that I think can be very life-changing for you as a parent as a person, uh, as a spiritual individual, and all the other things that are going on. And so we're trying to make this your best year ever, 
talking about rising in all the different areas and parts of our life. So let's begin with a video that we're going to share, and uh, I'll share that on screen, and then we'll come back and we'll begin our teaching time together. It begins with openness, the willingness to come alongside someone else, to pour out, care, invest. It's about sharing the journey, doing life together, growing, forging, becoming. It's about selflessness, caring enough to walk through the valley. Even when it's painful, to love people as Christ has loved us. It's rejoicing when you rejoice, hurting when they hurt, being a hand, an encourager, a friend. We were not created for one or another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so today, as we kind of talk about rising and uh, getting a little bit better in each and every area of our life, I hope that you are leaning on someone and having them encourage you. And I hope that you're also taking it as a part of your calling to go out there and be an encouragement as well. Let's go to our next slide, if you don't mind. <clears throat> We're going to begin right here. We talked about how some different areas of our life and how each one affects and kind of has an interdependence on the other areas of our life, how our spiritual life affects our personal life, how our personal life affects our relational life, how our relational affects the professional professional effects, the financial, and on and on and on down the line, the truth is is that your life is interconnected. And so a little bit of a better situation in this area, say spiritually, uh, you're going to have a little bit better personal life, which will help your relationships, which will help your professional life, and on and on down the line. And so it's important that we make the decision that we're going to raise every area of our life rather than just simply focusing on one and trying to be just an amazing person in this area. Instead, we raise a little in each category, and it makes a big difference because of how cyclical it is. Let's go to our next slide, and let's see what we talk about here. One to remember, one message that you can take away, and one scripture that you can remember and memorize as you go. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation the old has gone and the new has come from 2 Corinthians 5.17. A great passage of scripture for you and I to remember. And anytime you wonder if you've got it within you to be somebody different than you would kind of normally be, we know that supernaturally is what we're looking for. We don't want to just simply be who we are naturally. We want to be 
supernatural in the way that God is affecting and changing and directing in our path. And so how can that be done? It's with this idea that each time you kind of bump up against this idea that, well, you know, maybe it's just not meant for me to be good in this area, or maybe I'm just always going to have this problem, or, you know, that's always been with me and I'll never be a different kind of person. The truth is, is that you and I are a new creation. It does not depend on us. It depends on the goodness and the power of God. And so because of that, we know that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, right? And so as we know this passage of Scripture, memorize it, it can encourage us and challenge us to be more than we've been. Let's move on to our next slide. And you guys remember, I've shared this with you a lot of different times. This is from jamesclear.com, and he is the one who wrote a best-selling book. I'm going to reference it with three different quotes today, and I think every one of them will be a challenge and a help to you. But in this um, book, he shares these kind of uh, uh, animated kind of uh, illustrations, and he talks about how many of us are on a circular path where we're not necessarily making progress, but we just do the same loop and the same problems over and over and over again. We talked about how we want you to be different and how this uh, year that comes up, we want it to be one where you're making forward motion, not just simply a lot of motion with not a lot of success. As we move to our next slide and we see, here's one of those quotes, this one and the next slide that we talk about. So let's talk about this. The greatest threat to success is not failure, but boredom. Now I'm going to stop right there for just a second. Because for most of us, this is so true. We've never put it into these words, but it is absolutely true. Now, here's what I know. <clears throat> the number one thing that most people have as their New Year's resolution is to lose weight. Now, every single one of us knows how to lose weight. Can I get an amen on that, right? Amen. It doesn't mean that we've done it. All right? It just means that we know how. Okay, but part of the reason that we don't do it and follow up on it is because you know, celery doesn't taste nearly as good as steak. Can I get an amen, right? Uh, and not nearly as good as chocolate cake. It's not that you don't know what to do. It's that you get bored doing the thing that actually brings success. You guys understand where I'm coming from? This is true. I don't know if you've ever really stopped to think about this. But this happens in our spiritual life. It happens in our relational life. It happens in our financial life. It happens in our physical life. It happens in every single area of our life. We know what to do, but we get down that path and we see some success. And then we're like, well, this is good, but man, I don't know how long I can keep this up. And so we get bored and we make a change. And your brain is working against you in this passage, uh, this particular area because our brain wants something that is new, not something that is the same old, same old, same old. All right? So let's talk about it. The greatest threat to success is not failure, but boredom. We get bored with habits because they stop delighting us. The outcome becomes expected. And as our habits become ordinary, we start derailing our progress to seek novelty. Perhaps this is why we get caught up in a never-ending cycle. That cycle, instead of moving forward, the, the treadmill, we jump from one workout to the next, one diet to the next, one business idea to the next, and as soon as we experience the slightest dip in our motivation, we begin seeking a new strategy, even if the old one is still working. You guys with me so far? Okay, now listen to this last thing. This goes on to this next one. 
as Machiavelli once noted, and I just always wanted to say the word Machiavelli because I thought it made me sound smarter. So, as Machiavelli once noted, men desire novelty to such an extent that those who are doing well wish for a change as much as those who are doing badly. That's powerful insight. And if you have never thought about it in your own life, this matters. Let's go to our next slide. And this is the big idea. That God desires for me to grow for His glory and for my own good. We're going to go deeper in this idea, but I want you to stay with me in just a moment. But God desires for me to grow for His glory and for my own good. And in this passage of Scripture that Eric read just a few moments ago, I'm referencing from 2 Peter chapter 1, it is very, very important for you to know that Peter is probably staring down the barrel of being crucified upside down. We'll talk more about that in just a second. But Peter is about to be martyred for his faith. And what does he decide to write? He decides that he wants to speak to the churches, and as he speaks to them, he writes to them and says, don't stop growing. Now, now for just a moment, I want you to kind of settle down into this mindset for just a moment. The idea of somebody who is looking at their last days and they want to pass along something to those who will outlive them and be left when they are still, you know, off and gone. What does he want to say? He wants to say to them and to us, he wants to say, don't stop growing. There's an old African proverb that says, may you ever stay in the same place from one person to their enemy. It's like a curse almost from them. They say, you know, may you always stay the same and may you always stay in one place. You know, we instinctively understand and know that there is something about growth that enlivens us and gives us life and expectation and hope. And there is something about stagnation and staying the same that we do not want. It's almost like a curse that we welcome into our own life. Now, let me just stop again for just a quick moment and ask you this question. I don't want you to answer. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to do anything, but I just want you to think about it. Think about how many times you were forced to grow whenever you were in school. Here, read this book. Here, learn this thing. Here, do this brand new experience that you've never done before. It is almost like the first quarter or half of your life is spent pushing you and pushing you. It's almost automatic that you grow. But then you get out of college or high school or grad school or whatever you're doing, whatever level you want to seek that education, and suddenly it becomes your responsibility and my responsibility to grow and that's where we usually stop. It's shocking the number of books that we read before high school is over versus the ones that we read after high school is over. Not because books were ever your favorite in high school, but because you were made to do it. And now that you're not made to do it, you have not chosen to do it. You see, the truth is, is we know how to grow, just like we know how to lose weight or how to be a, a good person and do the things that God would have us to do. We know those things. It's just that we either get bored with them or we don't want to do them right now or we're seeking novelty somewhere else. And in the process of it, we're stagnating ourselves, we're killing our own growth, and we're getting less and less satisfied with the life that we have, not because it's not good, but because it's not new. It's not new. It's not novel. 
It's just the same one that we've always had, and we are bored with the blessing. If you guys are with me, can y'all give me an amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about here? I'm not saying that you are, but we all understand this. We all see this. All right. So God desires for me to grow for His glory and for my own good. Now, His glory, can you imagine if everyone in the world looked at God's children, at, at His true believers, and they said, you know what? I've got no use for them because they are not people who want to embrace change and grow in any way. They just want to stay satisfied with where they are. Now, think about this for just a second. Here is Peter about to leave this earth. And as he is about to leave, he says, keep growing. Add and add and add and add these characteristics in your life. You have something good, add to it something else that is good. And then you have this going in your life. Add another thing that is good to it. He says on and on. He gives a long list, and we'll come back and read that list again in just a moment. But what he is sharing with us as believers is that we are not done growing. We are not done moving towards what God would have us to be. Now, you know people, and I know people, who have invited God into their life, and then they just said, well, I guess I got that box checked off, and nothing else in their life changes. They don't make any difference in the way or the path that they live. They just check it off and say, well, I guess I got the spiritual handled. That's off and off my to-do list, and so now let's talk about something else. But God wants us to be people who show that we are changing, developing, and growing, and becoming more and more Christ-like in the way that we live our lives. We should look different today than we looked a year ago. And for the good, by the way. Not just to look different. You know, not haircuts and clothing. I'm talking about our character should shine in a different way. For His glory and also for my good. So, once again, on the count of three, would you guys join me as we say the big idea? So, at least your own words and your own mouth have spoken these words. Okay, ready? One, two, three. God desires me to grow for His glory and for my own good. Now, I also want to just say one other thing. If you know that you're doing less than you're capable of, eventually you will be bored with you. Have any of y'all ever had a Netflix show that you started and you got about three in and you're like, you know what, I don't even care what happens to these characters. I'm just, I'm out. I check out. Have y'all ever had that experience? We've all had that experience, right? It's good because you can just stop watching. It's not a big deal. You just gained eight hours of your life back, right? And so it's a good thing. But how terrible is it for you and for me if we look at ourselves and we say, I'm bored with me. I'm bored with me. Because the bad news for you and for me is, is we don't just get to shut off ourselves and shut off the life that we're living, but it's not going to change unless we initiate and engage the change in our own life. And so it's important for us to say, all right, if I'm bored with me, I need to make a change. All right, so I hadn't intended to say this, but I'm going to sit down and I'm going to give you a little true confession good for the soul, okay? I went through a midlife crisis, all right? Now, ladies, I think y'all go through midlife crisis, and I also think that y'all have 
um, the dip in estrogen. That's the menopause thing. Men, I think y'all do the same thing. Uh, I do the same thing. It's our drop in testosterone. It's their drop in estrogen. I think that's male menopause and female menopause. And I think you guys go through the same thing that we do in the idea of midlife crisis. I'm not going to ask if any of y'all have gone through it, but some of y'all are smiling and elbowing each other. So, all right, I get it. All right. So I went through a midlife crisis. And my wife and I had this long conversation. We were driving up to Dallas. And so we had four hours in the car. And, you know, sometimes it's easier to have a conversation when you're doing this and not having to look right at them, you know. And my wife says, something's wrong with you. And I'm like, yeah, something's definitely wrong with me. And she said, what's going on? And I'm like, I do not know. I do not know. I can't even put it into words. And so she kind of kept prodding me, kind of kept asking questions, and finally I said to her, I said, I'm bored with everything in my life. I'm bored with everything in my life. And I said, I'm bored with this, I'm bored with this, I'm bored with this, and she said, are you bored with me, and are you bored with the kids? And I said, no, I'm not bored with y'all, but everything that has to do with me, I'm bored with, and I can't get it back. I, the way the okay all right <clears throat> stop the uh, stop the live stream. I told her I said my give a crap is busted. I mean I can't I can't get it back right. Like I just don't care anymore about the things that I should care about right. That's what happened, and so I'm dealing with that, and she starts asking me these questions, and this is what is so great about my wife. She says, "Well, you know who makes that decision that you're frustrated by, right?" And I'm like, well, I guess that's me. And she's like, yeah. And what about this decision that you said that you're frustrated with? You know who makes that decision, right? And I was like, yeah, I guess that one's also me as well. But, you know, moving on to important things about me being all in my feelings, you know. And then she's like, well, you know who makes that decision in your life? And she pointed out about four or five areas that I had said I was bored with. And I realized that every one of them was decisions and actions that I made or hadn't made. And I had to come back to the place where I was like, wow, I guess the problem is not out there. The problem is I'm bored because I've become boring. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Tough. To, I mean, I don't know about that, but it's tough to think about it if you really kind of consider and allow that to be a possibility in your life. It's tough to swallow but I did make some changes, and I did make some definite directional uh, differences and very intentional ones. And so I would just say, if you're dealing with this, doesn't mean you're a terrible person, doesn't mean that you're a horrible Christian, it doesn't mean any of that stuff. It means that maybe somewhere along the line, you stop growing in the things that you know that you need to be growing in. And if that's true... You're the one who can make that choice and decision to go in a brand new direction. All right, let's keep moving. Let's keep going here. Let's talk about a couple of things. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8 through 8 says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Over and over and over again, he says, if you've done this, add something to it. If you've got this working in your life, do this a little bit better. When you're doing these things, don't forget to do this as well. And there's about seven things in this list 
that if you and I begin to work on it, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, we're going to have this cycle of continuing to develop a character that God is pleased with and makes an impact in our lives and in our world. But for most of us, we haven't added knowledge. We haven't added self-control. We haven't added perseverance or godliness or love or all these things. We've just waited and hoped that they would happen and grab a hold of us. But that's not how it works. He goes on, he says, For if you possess these qualities, and I bolded this part. Would you guys read that with me? In increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Ineffective, unproductive, and boring are all in the same campground together all the time. So we have to make a decision that we will be different. And it says that our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ continues to grow and develop and move forward. All right, let's keep moving here from Second Peter and then just some other things. How many of you guys, y'all remember, this, this is so updated, but how many of you guys remember the old story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears? Y'all remember? All right, what is... I'm going somewhere with it. I'm going somewhere with it. Hang with me, okay? Goldilocks and the Three Bears. If I don't know all of this. It's been a minute since I read this story. But Goldilocks comes into the bear's house after they're out and away. And she goes to their table, and she sits in their chair, and she says, this one's too tall. And then she says, this one's too short, but this one is just right. Oh, you guys do know the story, okay? And then she eats the porridge and says, oh, this one is too hot. And then she goes to the other one and she says, this one is too cold, but this one is, what? Just right, right? And then she says, I've taken a nap. I've got to take a nap after I've eaten my meal. So she goes in and she lays in the bed. And she lays in the bed and she says, oh, this one is too hard. And she goes into the next bed and says, this one is too soft. And then she says, this one is just right, right? So what's the idea of growth in Goldilocks? And what does that have to do with it? Here's what it means. Let's go to our next slide. And this is another quote. This is a challenge of just manageable difficulty. It's a prime example of the Goldilocks rule. The Goldilocks rule states that human experience peak motivation when they're working on tasks that are right on the edge of their current abilities. Not too hard, not too easy, but what? Just right. Now let's keep moving to the last, uh, last part here. Working on challenges... Uh, of an optimal level of difficulty has been found to not only be motivating, but also a major source of happiness. Isn't it interesting that God's Word told us that we need to keep moving so that we don't stagnate? And now we know through scientific research that if you do not continue to add these things to your character, you will stagnate and you will become bored. Isn't it interesting how God's Word knew that? Because God is the one who designed you and me. He knows what we need. And He put all of those things in our life and He directs us to it if we will just listen to Him. They tell us, science tells us about 4% beyond your current ability is actually the thing that brings us happiness. Alright, here's what I mean. If you've been in the same job for a long time, it's probably been a minute since you've had to do something that felt all the way out of your comfort zone, right? Probably even been a minute since you've been all the way to the edge of your comfort zone. But have you ever noticed when you get a job that you don't know all the answers, you get excited because you say, I'm a little nervous, I'm a little anxious, 
but I think I can do this. I think I can get a, you know around these edges and corners that I don't quite know all the answers to, but I think I can get there. And there's like this spring in your step. There's this look on your face because you know that you're going to have to push yourself to be able to accomplish this new thing. Are you guys with me? Y'all hear what I'm saying? Have y'all ever experienced that before? I know some of y'all have, right? And so as we're there and we're right at the edge of what we are comfortable with versus what we know we're capable of but haven't had to do yet, I want to share with you that you are escaping something as you leave it in your past whenever you push yourself to the edges of your limits and you grow in ways that are maybe uncomfortable in the moment but will make you happier in the long run. This is important for you and this is important for me to know that it is important that we push ourselves. It brings us happiness. All right, let's go to our next slide and let's talk about this. Our search for novelty, our avoidance of boredom is a huge issue. It affects every single area of your life, like your spiritual, financial, relational, and physical life. I've already talked about this, so I'm going to keep moving. Let's go to the next slide. 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. This is one of those chapters in the Scriptures that is hard to hear. Because if you know the rest of the story, you know this is where it begins. And David, King David, the man after God's own heart, is on an edge of a cliff and he does not even know it. He does not realize that he is about to change the entire uh, course and direction of his life with a bad decision that he is about to make. If you have your Bible app, if you see it, if you look at it in your own scriptures, it will say, David and her name starts with a B. You guys remember? Bathsheba. Interesting, her name is Bathsheba, and she's taking a bath when, when David looks in and sees her there on the, other, on the other rooftop. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites, and they besieged Rabbah. But what does that last line say? But David remained in Jerusalem. Up to this point, every time the Israelites went out and fought, guess who led them into battle? David. King David. But this time, he decided, I'm bored with the victories. I'm just going to stay at home. How many of y'all have ever heard this old saying, idle hands are the devil's workshop? Now, I'm just saying, when you are bored... You do stupid things that you would never think are okay when you're thinking clearly. But if you are craving and searching for novelty, you may make a mistake that changes the entire course and direction of your life. All because you were in a pattern of being bored. I know this is not what you expected. Whenever you came today, you weren't like, Randy's going to talk about boredom today, right? No. I know that's not exactly what you expected, but the truth is is that sometimes if we're not careful, we can just have one day flow into the next, and if we're not seizing the day, the day seizes us. And suddenly we look around and we're in in a life that we never expected. It's so important that we not get bored. It's so important that we not allow those things to happen to us. Let's keep moving here as we go on. This is something to learn. Peter writes this letter to the churches in Asia Minor. That's modern-day Turkey. 
after he has been arrested by the Roman council and the Roman uh, authorities for basically spreading Christianity. Church tradition tells us that Peter is eventually crucified, probably somewhere between 60 and 64 A.D. Like Christ, with one noticeable exception, Peter asked to be crucified upside down because he did not feel that he was worthy to be put to death in the same way that Christ was. So they are going to throw him on a cross, a Roman cross, just like they did Jesus. And in the process of it, Peter says, no, no, no. Invert that cross and let me go out upside down because I do not believe I am capable or worthy of being crucified in the same way that the Lord was. And so make it different because he alone is the one who should receive all this glory. And so even in his death, he is growing and he is motivating and he is making a way to influence other people if they will just pay attention And as he writes probably his last letter that he ever writes, we know it's the last letter that he has that has survived. He says, whatever you do, don't stop growing. And there's a passage at the end of 2 Peter. It's 2 Peter 3.18. I've literally memorized this verse since I was a little kid, probably seven or eight years old. I did it for candy. And uh, yeah, I'm not above that. So yeah, that's what happened. But when I was seven or eight years old, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3.18. I kind of do it like sing-songing because that's how I memorize it, right? I still remember that one of the very last things that Peter wrote is, keep growing in grace and keep growing in knowledge. Now let me ask you a very, very pointed question. Are you growing in grace? Are you growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Because the truth is, is that these are two areas that you can easily grow in if you choose, but you have to actually choose. These things usually don't just happen to you. Let's go to our next slide. Now I want to talk about three elements of success. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, This is something that you can use every single time you want to use it or in your own life. If you want to do something different or take a new path, this is three elements of success in your life. It's competence, confidence, and character. It's very easy to remember, but I'm going to just talk about it for just a minute and go a little deeper with you on this idea. But three elements to anybody who is a success at anything. They have competence, confidence, And they have character. Here's what I mean. Let me just share it with you very quickly. Competence is the ability to do something well. I don't care how often I joke about being able to sing or play an instrument. I cannot do it. I have zero competence in the area. I can barely play a radio correctly. Okay, so that's just how it is for me. That's no competence. So if you put me in the position of being a worship leader, I might have confidence and say, man, I... This is exactly where I need to be, but I have no competence in it. Eventually, my confidence is going to erode. And the character, that we talk about these different things. First of all, competence. Confidence is the belief in yourself to succeed, whether that means right now or soon. And then character, a learned quality. Let me mention that again. Character is a learned quality. You're not born with character. You develop it. A level of self-discipline and ability to take the L the right way. And you guys have all heard this, right? The idea of taking an L. You know, hey, did you win? No, I took an L, right? 
I took an L, and what you normally mean is I took an L, meaning I took a loss. But if you can look at it instead and say, it's not just a loss, it's also an opportunity to learn, then you and I can actually be different. So real quickly, what does it look like? As we go to this next slide, check it out. Some people have no competence, lots of confidence, and maybe they are people of character. Well, they really will not be retained in that job or position for long because they don't know what they're doing. Now, I know some of you guys know, you know, you should see the guy I work with. He's never know what he's doing, but he's still, all right, I get it. I understand. But let's keep moving. What else does it look like? What about somebody who's got competence but doesn't have any confidence? They may be able to do it, but they don't ever do it. Why? Because they don't have confidence to do it. And I just tell you, I promise you, if you think about this deeply or with your kids, you can develop competence, you can develop confidence, and you can develop character. Your kids can succeed, your grandkids can succeed, and you can help them in every single area that they want to succeed. But these are the areas that you have to develop them, have to push them, have to grow them in these areas. And then thirdly, you guys know how this is. Competence, yes. Confidence, yes. But no character. The idea of character, I think we usually think, well, they're good people. No, no, no. I'm not just saying that. I'm saying, will they stick with it? Have you ever had somebody in your job where you bring them in and they've got competence and they've got confidence, but you also look at them and go, two weeks tops, they're gone. This, they're going to leave. I don't know where they're going. I don't know why they're going to leave, but they are going to leave. I can already see it and sense it, and I know that they're not going to stay. How many of y'all have ever had that before, right? You probably, if you're hiring, you're like, this ain't going to work. This is not going to work. Why? Because they have competence, confidence, but no character to follow up and make it work. So, whoever you are, whatever you're wanting to do, anyone that you're trying to in, you know, help and appreciate them and develop them, all of these areas can be developed. It's not something that they're born with. Let's go to our next slide. Very quickly, it's hard to live a great life if you always choose to run away from hard things. We take pride in ourselves and we feel great satisfaction by trying and finishing hard things, not getting out of them in a clever way. Because ultimately, you and I have to look at ourselves in the mirror and go, you could have, but you chose not to because you were, I mean, whatever. I've looked at myself in the, in the mirror before and I said, man, not good. Not proud of the decisions I've been making. I've never one time looked in the mirror and said, man, you're an awesome guy. You are so lazy. This is awesome. You're great. We don't respect ourselves when we're less than what we're capable of. We get out of the hard things to do. It doesn't make us proud of who we are. It makes us dislike who we are. And then we're in the downward spiral. Let's keep moving very quickly. I'm bringing this to a close. We talk about competence, confidence, and character. And I just want to say this real quickly. You will not always have an even and level. And I kind of had all of those boxes the same. But I want to be very clear. This is a lot more accurate. Somebody who's got a lot of competence but struggling in confidence but they have high character, they're going to make it. They're going to make it. How? They're going to eventually have confidence because they're going to see, I can do this. And you know what? 
even when I can't do it every time, I'm going to do it most times and I'm going to get better. And I'm going to keep doing it until I get really good at this. This is what success looks like. But you can't just leave one of them in the bottom and not touch it at all and have any kind of long-term success. Let's keep moving as we share a few things. How do we succeed in all areas of our life? This is how, very quickly, you make sure your priorities are right. First, Jesus, then others, then yourself. If you put yourself first, you'll be too proud, you'll be too driven, and you'll be too selfish. If you put others first, you'll be too insecure. You'll be too willing to compromise your own beliefs just to fit in. And so it cannot be anything other than Jesus first, others, and then yourself at the end. This is how a priority is set. And by the way, joy is what it spells. It is something that will bring you joy if you prioritize your life in this way. Secondly, how do you succeed in all areas? Let's go to our next slide. We keep on rising. We never stop adding to character competence, which will build our confidence as well. And then let's keep moving to our next slide. Back in Second Peter chapter 1. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, and by the way, therefore, my brothers and sisters, reminds us that he is speaking to believers. So just because you're a believer in Christ does not mean you or I are exempt from being satisfied where we are, even when we are supposed to be continuing to grow. Very quickly, if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I get real personal with you for a real quick moment? Can you imagine coming before the Lord and saying, this is the life you gave me, and I hit coast when I was about 38 years old, and I really didn't change much from that point, but I made it here. Can you imagine looking Christ in the eye and Him saying, you know what? <laughs> well done, good and faithful servant. Question mark, as my kids say. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? Ultimately, if we're not careful, we can hit cruise control. And we don't push, we don't try, we don't grow, we don't reach out, we don't develop ourselves, and we don't change anything. And then we wonder why we're bored with our lives. And the things that we're doing don't bring us satisfaction. It's because, just like me when I was dealing with what I was dealing with, I'm bored with me. And every time the situation changes, it doesn't change anything because the same thing that's always there is me. So I've got to be very careful that I don't just simply say, you know what? God gave me every opportunity. He gave me everything I needed to succeed. He gave me the opportunity to make an impact in people's lives. I'm going to do all that I can. And I'm going to run the race to the very end. And hopefully, prayerfully, when I'm writing my last letter, I, like Peter, will say, whatever you do, don't stop growing. I'm going to just simply say that on Easter Sunday, my, my dad is going to be 83 years old. 83. He is still a man interested in growing. And he is still an inspiration to me. Why? Because he didn't pack it all in and say, you know what, I've accomplished enough, I'm done with what I'm doing. 
He said, no, as long as I'm here, God still has a plan for me and my life. And I'm going to pursue it. That, to me, is still incredibly inspiring. Let's keep moving here. We're getting this very close to the end. Wherever you are, be there and be fully engaged. It's making your priorities right. It's keeping on the rising path. And then wherever you are, be there and be fully engaged. Don't check out. Instead, be fully engaged. That's how you succeed in all areas. Let's go to our next slide. And here in our next slide, we talked about the flywheel, about the movement, just a little bit of momentum till eventually it becomes a path that keeps you moving in a good direction. And it's almost impossible to stop the momentum of a life well lived. Let's go to our next slide. Here is a big question for you and for me. Is my life, is your life showing signs of growth or is it showing signs of stagnation or decay? What is happening in your life and what is the visible, the visible things that are seen in your life? This is something that I would believe you and I want to ask now while we can still change it rather than asking later when there is no time to do anything any differently. Let's go to our next slide. Okay. I heard this quote at the end of this book and I listened to it via audiobook, but I had to have it and I had to share it. This is the final one that I'll be sharing from James Clear, the Atomic Habits book, which I do recommend. It's a great book. The secret to getting results that last is to never stop making improvements. It's remarkable what you can build if you just don't stop. It's remarkable the business that you can build if you don't stop working. It's remarkable the body that you can build if you don't stop training. It's remarkable the knowledge that you can build if you don't stop learning. It's remarkable the fortune you can build if you don't stop saving. It's remarkable the friendships that you can build if you don't stop caring. Small habits don't add up. They compound. And that's the power of atomic habits. Tiny changes and remarkable results. I encourage you, get on that path where you say, you know what, I'm not satisfied to just simply exist and go through life, I instead want to make a change and make a difference and make an impact. Let's go to our next slide here. Here's how you apply. You plan a good starting place in your life. You take one small action, and then you build on that action by doing it again and again and again and again. And this applies in your relational life, in your financial life, in your physical life, and in your spiritual life. In every part of your life, if you will do these things, you will begin to build momentum for a new life. All right, so let's go to our next slide. You guys remember this one? The one to remember, the passage of Scripture that I shared with you at the very beginning of rising, all the way back in January. This is not the norm for me. Normally when I'm done with a message series, I'm done with it, I'm finished with it, I'm walking away. But I had to come back and put the bow on this one and end it correctly. And here's what I would share. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. I have always thought of what this passage of Scripture means is the thing that I shared with you earlier. It's an encouragement. It's a blessing. It's an encouragement that God gives us that, hey, you can be a new creation and a new person in a different way. And this was always what I thought about it. But can I say that as I've thought more about it and gone a little deeper, I think it's not just an encouragement, 
I think it's actually a challenge and a standard to live up to. Can y'all see it? Can y'all see it? Think about it. You can see how it's an encouragement, right? But can you see how it's also a standard to live up to? As long as I've been studying the Bible, I literally have known this passage of Scripture and memorized this one myself since I was in my 20s. And y'all, that's been a minute now. (laughs) I mean, it's getting longer and longer in the rearview mirror. I've known it since my 20s, never given it a second thought as doing anything but being an encouragement. I'm telling you now, I see it differently. And I see that this is not just an encouragement. It's a challenge to me. And it's a standard to live up to. If you are actually in Christ, are you a new creation? Has the old gone and has the new come? You see what I'm saying? I don't know if you see it that way. I don't know if that's what God's Word is speaking to you. But to me, this is not just an encouragement. It's a challenge and a standard. And I believe that in all of the other passages of Scripture that I read, this is what He wants for me. And I know it's what He wants for you as well. Let me be a new creation where the old is gone and the new has Heavenly Father, as we end our time together, I just would pray, Lord, that you would change us. Change our view and change our mindset. The truth of the matter is, Lord, is that ultimately we can become bored with blessings. We can become people who are satisfied with less than we are capable of. It happens all the time. But God, the truth of the matter is is that you have called us and you've said that we are to be a new creation. If that is going to happen, most of the time it's because we have sought you and sought your face rather than just simply hoped that it would happen. And so, God, I pray that you would change us from the inside out, that we would cease to look at ourselves in the ways that we have in the past and see instead a new path for ourselves, that we would lay down our lives as living sacrifices, our reasonable act of worship to the one who has made us, but also given us life again. And so in this time, Lord, I pray that if any of us come to you in a satisfied mindset, in a living less than kind of mindset, that we would give ourselves instead to a new path that brings us joy and growth. And most importantly, it puts us in a place where we depend on the one who gives life. It is you, God, that we live for. And I pray that it would be true in all of our lives, not in word only, but in actual truth and practice. May we live our lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray.